We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hi, this is Luka Doncic. Can he get it away in time on the step back? He does! He hits! He hits! And the Mavericks have won the game! Luka Doncic with a 30-footer to win it at the horn! And you're listening to the Mavs Step Back Podcast. How's it going, everybody? Welcome in to another episode of the Mavs Step Back Podcast. I'm your host, Dalton Trigg. You can find all of my work uh, posted on Twitter at Dalton underscore Trigg. Uh, I post all of my work on DallasBasketball.com there. Uh, I have a whole lot of other uh, serious and non-serious Mavs content that I post there as well daily. Uh, I'm joined again by my uh, DallasBasketball.com colleague, Grant Afseth. You can find him on Twitter at Grant Afseth. It's spelled just like how it sounds. Uh, he does a bunch of great work for us, DallasBasketball.com. Uh, I call him the machine because, I mean, he just, he writes, so, like, I think he wrote 30 articles in one week here recently. So he's just, he's unbelievable. I don't know how he does it, but we're glad to have him. Uh, and today we have a special guest, a return guest. It's been a minute since he's joined us, but it's Ben Collins. He's a senior reporter for NBC News. Uh, but more importantly, he is a Mavs fan for life, too. He keeps up with the team, and uh, I'm sure he is very happy about when, what transpired in Game 2 of the Mavs series against the Utah Jazz. Ben, what's up, man? How's it going? It's been a while. Dude, I'm still riding the wave. It's been like 12 <laughs> hours, right? <laughs> Yeah, haven't slept. Just, just completely adrenalized from twelve hours ago. No, um, I, this is the best, dude. This is so good. We're in such good shape. Um, I, I know you guys will be a slightly more analytical than me on this one, but it's exactly what Dalton was talking about. It was just like you know, this is JB's moment to step up. He's going to be able to do it. He's going to be able to get that bag this week. Um, I was skeptical. I thought, uh, you know, I thought JB on a switch with. Rudy Gobert would be a huge nightmare and a disaster, and it's not what happened. Uh, what a game. Um, what a performance. And uh, Jalen Brunson, I think, just made himself probably another like $25 million last night. So good for him. Definitely. I mean, he he was – I knew he would step up with Luka being out. But for him to take it up to the level he did last night, like I was just in awe watching what he was doing. That was an all-timer you know, performance from Jalen Brunson for a shorthanded Mavs team to go out there and score. I know it was technically his playoff career high, but it was really, you know, a career high overall. He's never scored that many points in the NBA. 
So overall career high, 15 of 25 from the field, 6 of 10 from three. You know, he's always been a good three-point shooter. He just, for whatever reasons, he's always been a little bit hesitant to let it fly. And, you know, my guy, Kirk Henderson over at Mass Moneyball, he's been talking about, you know, throughout the entire season, like, hey, you need to shoot it more. <laughs> and, and, you know, I we saw why in game two. I mean, he just completely obliterated the Jazz, uh, you know, driving to the rim, using his his bowling ball type body, you know, to, to throw people off and get easy, easy floaters and stuff of that nature. So he was absolutely incredible. Maxi Kleba, a career high, made uh, eight threes. He was eight of 11, 11 shooting threes. And, you know, the last two months of the regular season, he shot 24% from deep. So that was just like an unreal performance for him. Huge confidence booster for these guys heading to Utah. You know, whether – whether whether Luca plays in game three or not, you know they they should have won game one. You know, <laughs> if, if they just hadn't if they hadn't missed fourteen wide open uh, three pointers, if they had just made like two or three more of those, uh, and you know not missed as many free throws as they did in, in game one, we could really be sitting here looking at the Luca Doncic. Donchichless Mavs being up two nothing heading to Utah, but alas, it's one one. Uh, like you said, they are in good shape. Uh, the vibes are immaculate right now. But Grant, I want to swing it over to you real quick. I mean, what was your biggest takeaway from what we witnessed last night? I think my biggest takeaway was just uh, how many more options open up offensively when they fully space out with lineups um, that don't have uh, a non-shooting threat like Josh Green. Uh, and trying to make uh, like just dribbling around kind of in space uh, reduces a lot of uh, the great things that they kind of had in the fourth quarter. Um, I think, uh, you know, just how hot Maxi uh, Kleba was too. I think uh, eight of 11 uh, exceeds the most optimistic of, uh, of hopes. I think a lot of people could have had for, uh, uh, you know, with how he was shooting after the all-star break. So I think just seeing the volume of threes that they got up uh, spacing out with their lineups, and, uh, you know, getting by the on-ball defenders the Jazz had and making them uh, pick their poison uh, was definitely an intriguing thing. The thing I like, too, is like, you know, Spencer Dinwiddie, he didn't have a great shooting night, although, you know, I don't know if you, you guys watched his entire post-game press conference, but it was it was pretty funny because he <laughs> he spent like five minutes going through, you know, tallying up what his stats would have been if he had gotten the calls that he believed he should have gotten. Like at the end of the of the first half, he got hacked on the arm on a half-court shot and it wasn't called. And he was just like, look, I don't care if it's a half-court heave or what, you can't do that. Uh, so he thought he should have, you know, gotten some more free throws and it would have taken away from some of his misses on the on the box score. But, you know, he still ended up with 17 points. Uh, he made some big plays down the stretch, whether it was, you know, making a, a floater-type basket close to the rim that was big or, you know, passing passing it to Maxi, who was wide open in the corner, you know, stuff like that. He still made some big plays. And it was nice to see the Mavs, you, you know, they, they don't have to have guys just – they don't have to have everybody shooting lights out like Jalen Brunson and, and Maxi Kleba did. Last night, you can have guys like Dinwiddie who don't have their uh, their A game on, so to speak, as far as shooting or 
or stuff of that nature, and they can still get a win even without Luca. So very encouraging stuff. I mean, uh, like you mentioned, Grant, you you really can't. I think they do need to get away from, you know, playing Josh Green in this series. And look, I'm a huge Josh Green fan. I mean, I've I've been a fan of his since day one. I believe in his potential. Uh, I just think it's gonna you know take a while, uh, you know, for him to to really get to where he needs to be. He's got to work on that shot and be more consistent with it. And he was in the regular season. He fixed that, but he's just the, the moment is just too big for Josh Green right now. Uh, I do think, I think, by the way, Dalton, that you know, there was there was that one possession he was in in the fourth quarter, and he was instantly subbed out because he looked so out of place. <laughs> then, he, like he dribbled the ball like fourteen feet away from himself, and then like collected it and shot this like weird jump shot. I, I think Kid was like, "All right, that's that's enough. We can't do this anymore." And that's that's okay, by the way. There's going to be a series right. where he comes into play, where you know, going five out isn't the most important thing. But right now. I, I do want to say, like, I'm incredibly impressed by, like, all Mavs media, <laughs> like, Iztok Franco and all these people who have outlined exactly how to win this series, and they were exactly right, which is you have to go small. You have to go five out. Tim Cato as well said this. You guys have said this. Um, Kirk has said this as well. You have to go, go small, go five out, and hope Maxi hits jump shots. Or you have to hope that Bertans can play the five, which I don't really know if that's possible, and that Finney Smith can hold hold his own as the center of his zone um, that has been, that has held up. If they are hitting shots, if Maxi's hitting shots in the corner, it allows for penetrate and dish basketball. Um, and if you're not getting those calls, if Dinwiddie's not getting the calls when he's going to the line, uh, when he's, when he's going to the, uh, into the paint, if uh, well, Brunson isn't either, which by the way, was not happening in the first half. He was not really getting calls. He got, he got 41 the hard way. Um, if that's what's happening, then you're in very good shape. If you can hit corner threes, and Maxie was hitting corner threes last night. That's the difference. Um, so I just want to say you guys have done outstanding work in outlining this. Better like better than the Jazz scouting department, certainly. Because they didn't <laughs> see what was coming here in the second half. Where JB would go off, like really attack the paint. Second half, really try to open it up uh, and kick it out to shooters. Well, I do. I mean, we, we definitely appreciate that. And I mean, look, Mavs media is as strong as it has ever been. You know, it, you know as the Luka... As the legend of Luca grows and this team grows, and you know it's now his fourth year, and it's only going to get better from here. It seems like, you know, all of the the quality of work surrounding this team is is getting better as time goes on too. But you know, I it's one of those things. This is where the Gobert conundrum comes into play because, as good as he is defensively, he's not going to come all the way out to the perimeter. It's just not going to happen. He's going to stay in that. He's either going to stay in the paint or he's going to stay in that, you know, that middle area where he's like putting one foot in and coming back out. He's not going to go all the way out to the three point line. And maybe that change, you know, maybe they try and make him do that as an adjustment in games, you know, three and four, depending on how things go. But I mean, what they're doing right now isn't going to work. And you have to, you have to wonder how nervous the Jazz are right now. Because their their team is fully healthy. Even last night, you know, Donovan Mitchell, he got his numbers. Uh, Bogdanovich continued to make hilariously difficult shots. He's just been on point the entire series, and he's annoyed the hell out of me uh, because I, I wanted him in 2019, but apparently the Mavs thought he was not worth $20 million a year, uh, which now looks ridiculous. But, you know, he's been on point. 
And they're getting this is two straight games where where they're getting these wide open shots. And they simply just missed too many in game one. They made them in game two, and that was the biggest difference. And so, you know, now that a guy like Kleba has his confidence back in a big way, and Jalen Brunson, you know, Donovan Mitchell is like a swinging door on, or he was at least last night, he was like a swinging door on defense. Uh, you know, I, I just feel like whether Luca plays or not, now you've given this team the ultimate confidence. And the Mavs have only won one game in Utah in the last six years. It was, let me see, April of 2016, the last time the Mavs won in Utah. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. No, it was in 2020. It was like January 2020 is the last time that the Mavs uh, won in Utah. And Luca wasn't a part of that. Tim Hardaway Jr. went off for 27 points and – uh, Boban had nine rebounds, and they 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 led to win there. But you know the Mavs haven't won in Utah with Luca playing in his career yet. So if Luca does come back, if yeah. Luca does come back, they're going to have to do something that they haven't done so far in, in his career. Definitely, though, do, do you get the you get the vibe that Utah uh, just simply this doesn't this isn't the most important thing on earth, but it is pretty important. They do not like each other. That is not a team of basketball players that are like excited to play together. Uh, Dallas is, and that is absolutely clear. And you definitely get the vibe that um, Dallas is like, oh, if Luca comes back, we're in very good shape. Like we're <laughs> that, that's that's the sort of thing. The shock uh, the shock region is a lot easier. Um, all of this talk about where does Rudy go on a switch and all this stuff, it, it like it invalidates all of these other larger conversations when the game is a lot harder when your lead guards are you know, six, one or six, three, and not, you know, 260 pounds like Luca is where he is now. So right. um, that was a little mean to Luca. He's probably not 260. It seems to me like the vibe of this series from both sides is like, if Luca was playing, this would be over with, and then he might be playing on, on game three. I think that's, that's the vibe you get from jazz fans. That's definitely the vibe you get from jazz fans. Well, listen, um, we've had we've had people in the national media, and Grant, I'll swing this back over to you after I say this, but we've had people in the national media, I think Nick Wright was one of them, which, you know, I mean, he says stuff all the time. That's he, He's a big Luca fan himself, so he his opinion is slightly skewed. But, you know, even he said, you know, the Mavs could be down 0-2 going to Utah, and if Luca returns in game three, he still thought that the Mavs were going to win the series. And – you know, that I don't know if that's just his ultimate confidence in Luca or if that's how down he, he is on the jazz. But I mean, there's been a lot of, of people I've seen that kind of have that same sentiment. Uh, and I mean, so now going back to Utah, it's 1 1. Uh, they've they survived the first two games, they got the split without him. If he does come back and he's fully healthy, then you have to think that, you know, this series could could end sooner than what people think. But Grant, I just want to get your thoughts on it because I mean, what's going to change when Luca comes back? Do you think that it's going to be like an instant upgrade? Because it almost sounds blasphemous to say it wouldn't be. But you know, Jalen Brunson he had a forty-one point performance with zero turnovers. First time that has ever happened in Mavs history ever, or playoff history at least. Uh, and Luca, you know, he tends to turn the ball over a little bit more. So, like, from a dynamic standpoint, how do you see things changing if he can come back from uh, 
for game three and how it could change the rest of this series. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis. Analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, sorry. I think it would definitely uh, change things um, in the standpoint that if you think about um, kind of how Utah was approaching like things like ball screens uh, for Jalen Brunson, like in uh, game one, they went under more. And uh, in game two, he was hitting pull-up threes uh, pretty early in the game. And then that became less of a, of a strategy used. And he was able to get in the gap and kind of create uh just more uh pick and poison uh situations for the jazz defense and uh you know my whole point being is that spencer dinwiddie doesn't necessarily create those opportunities since he hasn't uh taken uh too many pull-up threes and made them uh so far in the series so if you uh are kind of running more uh opportunities uh like to initiate offense with luka Doncic with his uh, you know like perimeter shooting threat i think it makes it a lot harder for utah to have to account for uh, multiple guards on the floor that can kind of create that type of pressure uh, and command that kind of respect. And I think, uh, you know, with the Mavs finding success, kind of spacing out with uh, Kleba, uh, you know, with those corner threes that we talked about earlier, having to account for two guards that that you have to go over against uh, or you get made to pay and also have to uh, account for, uh, you know, all those shooters, I think uh, would definitely change kind of the dynamic of how you uh, guard the Mavericks offense for sure. And I think I think it's like, you know, you look at how Dinwiddie started off last game. He looked, you know, very 
out of sorts. He looked kind of nervous, uh, you know, turned the ball over a few times, was kind of loose with his dribble, all that stuff. Uh, now, he, he made some good plays throughout the night and ended up with a decent stat line and uh, played a, a decent role in that win. But you have to figure if you, you know, if, if Dinwiddie is struggling like that and you can take some of his minutes and, you know, shift him over to Luka if he comes back completely healthy, that, I mean, you, you think him and Brunson on the court together would, would definitely make a, a huge difference. So I don't, I don't want to say that if Luka comes back, that this series is going to end in five because I feel like that might be, that might be, you know, me having my Homer hat on a little bit. I'll, I'll, I'll say it. Let's go. <laughs> the series over. But I, I really do believe that. I don't like, I think the jazz are waiting to fold. And I think that um, this is a team that I love the Dallas Mavericks. We are the great, we are wonderful. I love watching them play. Um, this team should not be in this series without Luca. It should not happen. Um, I think it's kind of a perfect storm where the Jazz have a lot of internal dysfunction. They are very, they're bad on defense, which is so weird considering they have Rudy Gobert. And, and it's so it, sorry dude, it's to cut so you weird. off. Sorry to cut you off real quick. Before you keep going, Ben, I want to just say this, and then you you can keep on with your point. But it's so funny to me because it's so obvious to everybody that they do have dysfunction, and they you know they really. Yeah. Deep down, they don't really like each other, and they've been saying all the right things in the media after you know in the last couple of weeks of the season. And they they got a couple of wins. You know, they weren't great wins, but they got like a win in overtime against the Ja Morantless uh, Memphis Grizzlies team. And you know, they they've tried to like patch this thing up and present it as, oh, we're fine, we're going to get over the hump this time, but. It's like no matter what they say or what they do, you do kind of get the feeling that this is kind of nearing its end. <laughs> yeah, you, you get the you get the vibe of frustrated basketball team that like doesn't communicate well on defense. I think that's a big thing with like the Mavericks uh, will challenge each other and yell at each other if they're if they miss rotations uh, and don't get over switches in time. It's just they're they're on eggshells clearly in Utah, and it's it's weird. They have the best big defender in the NBA. And they can't really make the kind of stops they need to make. Their offense is still really good. And they still have a couple of guys who can, like, create shots out of thin air. Uh, Bogdanovich and Mitchell are just outstanding at, you know, working through broken plays and iso ball. So it kind of covers up the fact that they are their offense is also out of, out of sorts. But uh, I don't think that sustains. When you were playing against a potential top 10 player of all time, if he comes back, even if he's at 75%, I don't think you can. I don't think you can uh, patch that up enough to win really any game. I, that's why, like, if he comes back, I, I do think that the, the Mavericks will sweep them from here on out. And again, I mean, it's not like you know Donovan Mitchell. I, I Grant, you probably know what his shooting stats were for last night. I know he was ten of twenty nine in game one. I'm not exactly what he shot. I'm not exactly sure what he shot last night, but. You know, it's it's not like some of these guys aren't getting their numbers, like I mentioned earlier. Mitchell's getting his points. Uh, Bogdanovich is just destroying the Mavs in every part of the, you know, <laughs> especially with his post game, and he's shown he can pass out of the post, and uh, he's just hitting some of the craziest. You know, the Mavs are defending him well on some of these turnarounds in the post, and he's just he's just unbothered by it. So he's had a, a great first two games. And yet the Mavs are still coming into Utah with a one-one split. 
And you have to figure that at some point, you know, these guys aren't going to put up these numbers, you know, consistently for the rest of the series. Like, am I right to feel that way, Grant? I mean, I know you, you're very familiar with uh, Boyan Bogdanovich from his Pacers days, but I mean, I just, can he keep this going for a seven game series? I think, uh, I think the short range uh, stuff and like kind of playing out of the post, I, I wouldn't expect him to convert at that high of a clip. Because it seems like almost every time he's getting downhill, like you haven't seen like him just miss it off the back of the rim and it flies away. Like, uh, like I, it's just tough to to think he can get that tightly contested and just keep knocking him down. Uh, but one thing uh, that I do think uh, will kind of be interesting uh, for like game three is like the ball screen offense with Donovan Mitchell. Um, like I was just looking at some of these stats since you were bringing them up about his numbers. He's four of 20 on shot attempts derived from pick and roll ball handling sequences so far in the series. Like that, like some of these numbers have been pretty uh, crazy uh, so far. That's, he's that's he's pretty been, rough. <laughs> yeah. It, every bit of success that I've seen from him has come either on the break, which is incredible at, like he's very, very good at getting out ahead of people. Uh, Cause he's one of the fastest players in the NBA, especially as a two, but also Broken plays, weird ISOs, uh, you know, stuff where people get out, gets out of, get out of his way in general, and he takes a step back three or he um, just crosses people up. I, I've noticed that too. It's it doesn't it, the offense is janky, and which is weird because they have a very highly rated offense, and I think slowing the game down for them has um, hurt them. I, I really do. It, it's one of the rare times where being dead last in pace in like the last five years or something um, has been extraordinarily helpful to Dallas. Well, and another, I'm going to shift it over to this now too, because we briefly talked about Josh Green and you know how the moment seems like it's too big for him. And look, I mean, I get it. They they're having to play Dorian Finney-Smith, and shout out to Dorian too. He didn't have a great offensive game, but he hit two huge uh, three pointers in the fourth quarter and played excellent defense as he usually does. Uh, but, you know, they're they're playing Finney Smith and Reggie Bullock like 44, 45 minutes per game so far in this series. And with Luca out, with Tim Hardaway Jr. out, uh, you know, they, they really just don't have any other wing options to throw out there other than Josh Green. So, and I mean, he plays good defense uh, most of the time, but you know, if the offense is going to be as detrimental as what we've seen in these first two games, he, he just can't really – I just don't think they can afford to keep him out there. So, I guess my question to both of you, I guess we'll start with, with Grant here, but, I mean, what's a move that Jason Kidd can do other than just, you know, extending these already extended minutes further uh, to make it to where he doesn't have to play Josh Green? Because we saw last night – you know, maybe is, is Trey Burke an option? I mean, you go super small if you do that, but, you know, it, he hit a three last night, and, I mean, he's he's got experience, and we've seen what he can do in the bubble playoffs a few years ago. So, I mean, is that an option, or where, where does Jason Kidd go if, uh, if these struggles with Green continue? Yeah, I do think I have more confidence. Uh, like, it's kind of a tough uh, set of uh, circumstances to pick because uh, Trey Burke will get uh, probably targeted – on defense, uh, but I feel more confident that the Mavs defense can overcome that uh, than the Mavs offense overcoming uh, Josh Green. 
not being guarded by Rudy Gobert and kind of just dribbling into space and not really even looking at the rim whenever he uh, does get the ball in his hands. Uh, so I think uh, I, I think you probably are either looking at that or you have to trust uh, Davis Bertans uh, more uh, on the floor, and he also can get targeted as well as he has yeah. already too. <laughs> so uh, it's not really the best of options. That's definitely one of the things with uh, not having Luca that makes it tough is that uh, you're not only just losing the skill of Luca and everything that he brings, but you're losing another like uh, big guard that uh, allows you to play like a three guard lineup with Dinwiddie and Brunson and just like have different combos where you raise the floor of those groups without having to play like a guy like Trey Burke or Josh Green for sure. I mean, ideally I would like it to be a situation where, you know, if, if Jason Kidd, does decide to give him continue to give Green some minutes going into game three. I would love nothing more than for Green to just have like I don't want to say a breakout game, but you know, if he could just hit a couple of threes, get his confidence back up. Cause I mean he just he looks like a deer in the headlights right now. I I'd love nothing more for him to, you know, uh, to come out and do something that shows, hey, I can be valuable in this series not just on defense, but on offense too. And they roll with that. But, you know, I, I agree. I think that's uh, their, their options are limited with Luca out, but uh, I do like what I saw from, from Trey Burke uh, last night. And I think he could be, you know, the better option going forward. And look, we've seen Trey Burke. I mean, he, he's not a good defender by any means, but you know, we've seen at times when he's focused uh, like with Steph Curry earlier this season, uh, you know, when he focuses and he gets down in a stance and everything, he can play good defense when he wants to. So uh, I think, like you said, Grant, uh, the way the rest of the Mavs defense plays, I think even if he's not on his A game there, uh, that it they could, they could make up for it. But uh, another thing I wanted to touch on, and I want to get, I'll swing it over to you again, Ben, but, you know, we, we talked a little bit about Dinwiddie earlier and how he didn't have his best game in game two. I mean, he really – he hasn't shot the ball well in, in either game, but, uh, you know, he still got 17 points and he, he made some good plays down the stretch. And one thing specifically that I like with Dinwiddie is when he gets the switches with Gobert and he brings Gobert out just enough to where he can get, uh, that quick first step on him and he gets to the rim and finishes. And I don't think the Mavs have ever had somebody, that has been able to do that uh, since, you know, uh, except for Dinwiddie. It seems like every time before Dinwiddie, when somebody would try to drive on Gobert, like literally everybody gets blocked. Even Luca has trouble finishing <laughs> at the rim against Gobert. So that has been one really encouraging sign uh, when he gets those switches. And I've seen it at least, you know, four or five times in these first two games uh, overall where he's been able to do that. So, I mean, do y'all think that's something that's sustainable going forward? Or Yeah, uh, that's, Dalton, that's what we talked about all offseason was, you know, secondary ball handler who can do exactly that, right? Play breaks down, wh- what do we got other than Luca? And that's exactly what Dinwiddie is. And I think that the other thing that is underrated about Dinwiddie is it's not like Trey Burke where you put him out there and he gets picked on constantly. And, you know, they're going to – it's just going to be – they're going to get a switch on Bogdanovich and he's going to shoot over him or whatever. It's not like that with him. He's – Six four, six five. He can hold his own on defense. He's actually pretty good at reading passing lanes, which is an underrated thing, especially when they're in the zone. Um, he's good at getting his hand in the cookie jar a little bit. 
he's a generally good, like solid, okay, and upright defender. He's a good player. Um, and he, you can get away with him at the two pretty easily, even next to Jalen, um, and still have the ability to create off the dribble with him. And that's you're right, by the way. With Gobert, a couple of times he would get that switch, and I think Gobert would have just kind of assumed that he would try to shoot over him because Gobert is horrifying. Everybody else seems to pull the ball back out when uh, when they drive on him. But he, he still just goes right by him. Um, he's doing what he can shoot over these guys and chooses not to. It's really, really helpful. He's been, honest to God, look, he has not had this sort of playoff series that mirrors the end of his season where he's shooting like 50, 40, 90 and um, you know, hitting shots at the end of the game and all this stuff. It's a whole... That, that's ridiculous, and I don't think that's sustainable. But he's done enough while struggling, especially with his shot and the free throw line and while just generally looking nervous, to keep the team in the game by just being available as a second ball handler. Um, well, so, and, and you know, I, I that's all we were asking for for years, Dalton. Now we kind of have it. Yeah, and I don't want to, like, I don't want to do a drive-by on KP or anything, but, like, <laughs> he's he's already done more. Uh, yeah. in, in these first two games than KP did in the entire series against the Clippers last last postseason. KP's a whole is... different I, – I don't know what the series looks like with KP, but I don't know if we're, like, extremely optimistic, even if it's one-to-one with Luke out like this, because, like I said, the vibe shift was so substantial uh, after that trade. So, uh, and also, there is no – as we all know with KP – God, I don't want to go back into this whole thing, but, like – you know, the compulsory touches that KP had and all these things that we had to do to feed him in the post and all this stuff, it just would have been a nightmare against Gobert. And I, I'm I'm glad that's not what we have to see. Like, I would rather struggle going five out and having to, you know, play Bertans and uh, Vinny Smith at the five than have to deal with whatever mess that would have been playing KP 38 minutes. Well, all I know is, you know, I I, I made a joke on Twitter last night that, you know, it's almost like I had to play role re- reversal with uh, my guy Kirk Henderson. You know, he he was I was being kind of pessimistic in the first half because it kind of felt like inevitable dread was coming our way <laughs> with with how the Mavs were were playing and uh, defending the Jazz at the time. And uh, you know, he came back and said that no, the, the Mavs are definitely going to win, and you know, they ended up winning and. Uh, you know, maybe I need to be more pessimistic going forward than I am on a regular basis. But, you know, after what happened last night with the way Jalen Brunson played, Maxi Kleba rediscovering his shot for the first time in forever, you know, all of this stuff and Luca potentially making a return in game three, we still don't know anything, you know, for sure on that. But, you know, if it was a grade, grade one strain, then he should have a very good chance of coming back in game three. We don't know if it was a grade one strain because the Mavs are so vague with all of their uh, injury updates that they give. But, you know, if that's the case and, you know, you look at him getting some work in in pregame and in these practices and he's doing more and more every day and game three is on Thursday. So he's got today, tomorrow, and all day Thursday until the game, he could potentially come back in game three. And if not – you know, the world's not ending because they got the split in these first two games. So I'm very optimistic. I think the Mavs have a very good chance of winning this series. And I'm, I'm glad they finally went out there and proved that they can win. You know, they proved this, this season they can win without Luka. They were eight and nine in the regular season without him. 
but everybody was just kind of like, yeah, we'll believe it when we see it, uh, when it, when it came to the playoffs, if they can win without Luke and they finally proved it and we knew they could do it. Uh, but they had to go out there and prove it last night and they did. So I'm very happy about it. Uh, Grant, Ben, I appreciate y'all joining me today. It was very fun. Uh, we'll have to do it again sometime, but, uh, Ben, uh, you got anything else for us before we head off here? Keep it up, guys. I think we are. You guys are personally providing um, exactly what we need to do as a basketball team to win games without Luca. Uh, it feels like you guys are like open sourcing winning this Jazz series. So please keep doing it. Keep keep doing what you do. Uh, and uh, let's go, Matt. Well, I appreciate it, Ben. And again, you can uh, you can follow Ben. He's a senior reporter for NBC News. Uh, he's at one underscore spelled out and i think it's too uh, yes, you'll have to explain your twitter handle it's very confusing it's the words one, one underscore spelled out with two underscores after it uh it's uh <laughs> look it was a joke five years ago that i've uh i'm i'm over it let's put it that way <laughs> hey at one, one, once you stick with something and uh you end up making that climb you can't change it at that point so yeah, i, I feel you there <laughs> grant anything else before we take off um, just that, uh, you know, we'll have a lot of uh, uh, content before game three uh, with, uh, you know, another uh, in-depth breakdown uh, about uh, game two and like what could uh, be taken away uh, from that. Uh, and then, uh, you know, all of our other uh, content as well. Uh, definitely a lot of stuff coming. Yeah. And, and like I said, look, I, I know there is a ton of great Mavs content out there, but I mean, I, I know I'm a little bit biased because, you know, Grant is working with me at DallasBasketball.com, but I truly believe that there is no other there, – there is no better video breakdown of these Mavs games than, than what he puts out at DallasBasketball.com. It's, it's the most extensive, in-depth look at what the Mavs are doing in each and every game, and y'all need to go check it out uh, if you haven't already. So more stuff coming there. This will be out as a regular pod later today. Be sure to like, rate, and subscribe on all your favorite podcast platforms. If you leave us a review on either Apple Podcasts or Spotify, it automatically enters you for a chance to potentially win some Mavs tickets. Uh, we do tickets giveaways every now and then, and uh, that's a way to throw your name in the hat uh, for every future giveaway. So be sure to do that. Guys, we appreciate it. Hope you have a great rest of the week. Uh, we will probably either see you Thursday night or sometime Friday morning or around noon. We'll see you next time. Y'all have a good one.